0: Hey everyone and welcome to the Sunny Go One Piece podcast. On this episode we're going to be talking about anime episodes 207 to 209 which will cover manga chapters 303 through 307 and yeah we're back to the main story somewhat at least for like a very short while because this is the start of the Water 7 saga and the Long Ring Long Land arc and yeah this is the debut of the HD era of One Piece beginning with episode 207. Alright, so the synopsis, as the Straw Hats finally land back on the sea after their escape from the G8 Marine Fortress, they make landfall on an island where everything is all long and tall, called Long Ring Long Land, appropriately, and run into one of the inhabitants, Tonjit, who has been stuck on the island forever because he, well, had some issues. However, it is not long before a rival pirate crew, the Foxy Pirates, challenge Straw Hats to the infamous Davy back fight game. So there are a decent number of differences. Obviously, this coming from a filler arc as opposed to the Skypiea arc, there are some differences. So it's a little less sudden and chaotic as it is in the manga. Since they're dropping from Skypiea, it's a lot more violent like it was when they landed in G8. And they added some moments like uh, Usopp and Chopper making repairs on the Mary in the anime. And also there's that added scene of them saying goodbye to the balloon octopus, whereas in the manga, they just kind of like let him go there wasn't a whole hubbub of like saying goodbye to it now this can be left up to interpretation as i haven't really seen any indication in the manga but so the moment they land and the sea monkeys attack the first time in the anime it's depicted as it being in you know happening during the nighttime. but i for some reason always had this strong impression from the reading the manga that this took place during the day as you can see, the seagulls flying around. So I don't know why the seagulls would be flying around during the night when they, they can't really see. The other thing too is if you look at the official digital colorization version of this that you can find, it's depicted as during the day. So that's kind of how I look at it. So in the manga, they actually do get to take a breather after the initial sea monkey encounter where Nami gets to test this, the waiver on seawater and it works fine. Usopp is seen working with his dials a bit. And then they have a conversation which took place during the G8 filler um, slightly about how they should divvy up the gold. In addition, this is where they all come to the conclusion that the money should mostly be used for the Mary and repairing her, as well as they deciding that the next crew member they need to recruit is a shipwright. This conversation would take place in a different form later on, just before they get to the next island. But this whole section in this entirety is never actually shown in the anime as far as I could tell. There are bits and pieces strewn about everywhere between G8, Long Ring, Long Land, and just pre-Water 7. But this entire sequence from the manga is just missing in the anime. Another scene that's kind of missing from the anime that takes place here in the manga is involving the Marines. Now I won't go into too much spoilers here, but this is a moment that we don't actually get to see until episode 225, so oh, another whole 15-16 episodes later. And then, of course, another scene that kind of gets shuffled around is we finally get to see the whole sequence with Doflamingo and and how he dealt with Bellamy and whatnot. So that's all inserted here as well. That's not necessarily a difference so much as just being delayed because it really takes place almost exactly after the whole scene with Cricket and, and him telling the monkeys, like, what adventure should we go on next? And then the next scene in the manga is actually this moment where Doflamingo basically... Um, has circus try and kill bellamy and then finally once we get to the debut fight the way foxy hurts sherry has been altered in the anime to make it far less violent as in the anime she just gets netted up and captured but in the manga she full-on gets shot and wounded by a rifle by foxy and so she has to be tended to by chopper and foxy never actually takes her because she he's just fine shooting her and then obviously the entire donuts race is a lot of it is int- like fused with fillers, and also the formatting of the debut back fight is different because in the manga the debut back fight they have three events, and only w- each member can only participate in one event, and so they actually planned out who's going to do what, and so they had obviously Robin, Nami, Usopp do the donut race, they had Chopper, Zoro, Sanji plan out for the grocky ring and then you have luffy being the last one in the final event and so yeah in the in the anime obviously everyone gets to participate in the donuts race and then they completely change up the rest um once you get past the groggy ring uh game and then yeah it just kind of goes haywire there until we finally get back to the final event but we'll get into that once we get to those episodes Alright, so let's get into my thoughts. Like I mentioned in the intro, this was the start of the HD era. One Piece was broadcast in HD and in 16 by 9 widescreen aspect ratio for the first time ever outside of the movies, which was incredible at the time. I remember how blown away I was when I first saw this episode. I was like, what the hell? It's in widescreen HD! And at the time, HD was still kind of a brand new thing, and things were slowly transitioning over to widescreen HD. And seeing One Piece like this was really unexpected because I thought anime would be like one of the last things that would be fully converted into HD. And I was also completely aware that that this change was coming because social media was not a big thing at the time. And so we got most of our news from like fan pages and fan forums, but news from Japan traveled a lot slower at the time. So this was quite a shock to me when I saw this episode first air. These episodes also introduce new commercial eye catchers, so no more wanted posters floating at the screen. Although, for several episodes, we only get to see Luffy's um, eye, new eye catcher, and we don't actually get to see the other crew members, but we do hear their themes still. It, it won't be for another several episodes before we get to, to see some of the other ones. I think almost like 20 episodes, we see just Luffy's eye catcher. So the debut back fight slash Long Ring Long Land arc in general seem to have two differing opinions among fans. You either enjoyed it or thought it was stupid. And I think this is largely um, to do with how you were first introduced to the Davy back fight. It depends on whether you experienced it first in the manga or the anime. Because the anime experience is far worse than the manga version. In fact... I would almost argue for this section, you should just forego the anime and just read the debut back fight in the manga because the anime is just so bad. It makes this experience so, so much worse because they infuse it with like filler and it's actually integrated into the canon material. So you can't really just skip it and it, it, it elongates the debut back fight and dilute it a bit and it definitely makes it overstay its welcome in the anime. Whereas in the manga, it's actually quite fun and enjoyable and impactful. And so I definitely recommend reading this in the manga and then going back to the anime once you pass all the filler material. But the reason I personally like the David Beck fight and the Long Ring Long Land arc is because I think one thing people overlook about the David Beck fight and Long Ring Long Land is in general, is that it does serve a very important and intentional narrative purpose to set up the themes of Waters, the Water 7 saga as a whole, or and maybe even throughout the entire series. Without going into too many spoilers, it sets up the themes of Luffy's ability to protect his crew, not just in a physical strength sense from enemies and harm, but as a leader and his ability to be the captain of the, the crew needs. And it may not be clear right now, but you realize once you finish the arc and the saga and pretty much even all the way up to the halfway point of the series how well this arc sets up the impetus for the next stage of character development and growth for luffy and his ability to protect his crew as well as how you know how strong the bonds are between them and how much they can trust each other and depend on each other and when you watch the long ring longland arc from this perspective it no longer m- seems like a pointless filler arc and it really highlights its significant purpose Beyond its importance to the story, though, I feel like this small arc has a lot of great and memorable moments, too. Enough for even one of them to be the focal point of the We Are One 100th Celebration episode. The very first one, you actually get to see the Grocky Ring moment reanimated in an incredible fashion. So I, I would definitely recommend checking that out once you watch the entire arc. Anyways, enough preamble. Let's get into the episode. So, we start off by getting back on track with the Manga Cannon with them falling onto the sea again and shortly after arriving back on the water, they're pursued by these giant sea monkey creatures. However, before this moment we actually get to see what became of Bellamy back on Jaya as we're shown a pretty disturbing and terrifying moment shockingly featuring one of the Shibukai Doflamingo of all people. This was totally unexpected that he would have anything to do with Bellamy And it turns out that Bellamy and his crew were serving as underlings for Doflamingo in some capacity. And with Bellamy's defeat to Luffy, Doflamingo has come to punish and dispose of Bellamy as he has no use for weak losers. However, Bellamy tries to plead his case to Doflamingo to give him another chance. But Doflamingo, the cruel and sadistic man he is, is only interested in strong pirates who can survive the new world order that he's trying to create and mercilessly makes Circus seemingly kill Bellamy with his control ability of his double fruit. And I say seemingly because, again, we don't see him actually die, and I wouldn't put it past Oda to kill, you know, anyone outright in the present because he's so resistant to doing that. So I don't think Bellamy is dead here at this moment. Of course, I really know what happens at this point, but this is what I thought at the time when I read this. And Doflamingo here is freaking disturbing and terrifying. Even now, as I watch this moment again, just how callous he is about torturing and killing his own subordinates and seemingly enjoying it while wearing that ridiculously flamboyant outfit creates like this unsettling psychological dissonance in your mind. Like You just don't expect someone dressed like that to be this evil and sadistic, which causes you to have this sort of unsettled feeling creep up in your mind when you, whenever you see Doflamingo do anything, because he's always got this like sinister smile and like laugh that he has anytime he appears on screen back to the straw hats so they escape the sea monkeys but then come across a ship that appears to have no identifying mark and is seemingly desolate with a disorganized crew just then the sea monkeys return and i think one of my favorite luffy faces is him looking up at them and then making that monkey face it's so it's so funny and obviously it's on point with his name being monkey d luffy but (laughs) <laughs> that like ukiki's face is just too funny and i think it's easily one of my favorite luffy faces the disorganized crew pisses off the sea monkeys and gets sunk by them and this is obviously a foreshadow for the davy back fight that's to come after the sea monkey encounter the straw hats land on a new island that seems pretty empty but is everything is just super long or super tall and Usopp, chopper and luffy decide to go exploring deeper into the island and discover a house and a tall horse named Sherry. But most surprising of all is the discovery that there was an old man at the top of a giant pair of bamboo stilts. They go on to learn that the old man named Tunjit was ridiculously stuck up there for 10 years, which is <laughs> insane. He explains that he survived by eating the fruits from all the tall trees, but that doesn't explain how he slept without falling over or getting tired or sick. And putting logistics aside, their conversations with Tonji are pretty hilarious though. I always get a chuckle out of the naming of the long animals is literally just the regular names extended longer. <laughs> I don't know why that cracks me up, but it's pretty funny to me. In addition, the whole cheese scene is pretty funny too with him convinced that the cheese is fine but then falling ill with Chopper freaking out calling for a doctor again. But my favorite part is when Chopper diagnoses him with food poisoning and Usopp's just like, yeah, that's pretty obvious. (laughs) I think one thing I love about this scene though is once again Oda's amazing detail and world building as even an island that seems so simple and plain has this deep lore. And it's explained that Tonjit is part of a nomadic group that travels the islands that are connected by a huge ring when the tides go out every three years, hence where it gets its name from. Just like little details like that always make the world of One Piece so fun to read and to pick apart because there's always something more to really like extrapolate and just kind of like let your imagination run wild and whatnot. And then there's also the emotions he makes you feel at the same time with the story of how faithfully Sherry was waiting for Tonjit this whole time through like rain and snow and everything for 10 years. It's so sad. But it's so, it's so uh, happy when, when they're reunited, too. Back on the shore, the other four Straw Hats encounter a pirate ship that locks down the Going Merry, calling themselves the Foxy Pirates, and they challenge the Straw Hats to a showdown of some sort. Later on, while Tonja is reunited with Sherry and riding around with her, Sherry is attacked by three mysterious people who turn out to be the crew of the Foxy Pirates and the captain, Foxy, himself. He reveals that he wants to face them in some game called the Davy Back Fight, obviously rooted in the pirate legend of Davy Jones, where it sees two pirate crews competing in a set of games for the right to claim each other's crew members and even the identity or the flag of the crew. Side note, you probably recognize Foxy's voice as we just talked about this character, but it's the same voice actor as Wapol's voice actor, Bin Shimada, and he plays him almost exactly the same except a little less obnoxious yelling. And he would actually go on to play another significant character much much later on in the Wano arc. Now the atmosphere and Foxy himself seems kind of silly. But Nami and Usopp's reaction was actually my reaction too to this res- revelation. I was actually kind of anxious about this game. Like I almost had like a physical reaction upon hearing this too. Obviously I knew nothing would really happen but it's a scary thought to lose the crew members. And this is literally a game that can destroy your crew as we saw that is what happened with the crew that it eventually got killed by the sea monkeys. And obviously in kind of blatant exposition Usopp actually puts two and two together and explains this to us as to what happened to that crew. Luffy unwittingly accepts the challenge to get revenge for Tonji and Sherry. And to be honest this is where I think the censorship change of Sherry being shot as opposed to being netted really changes the dynamic of this scene. Because I just don't know why Lupi would get so upset over Sherry being netted. But in the manga, she's supposed to actually get wounded by a gun. Which is completely understandable why Lupi would get so pissed as to just take this challenge. So like I mentioned earlier, the debut back fight is altered majorly in the anime and I absolutely hate it. It just completely takes away from the pacing and the stakes of the whole thing and kind of cheapens it. I know it's pretty obvious, but I just had to mention it again here, but... You know, here we are. You know, I'll talk about the Davy Back fight in its anime form since it's just impossible to divorce the filler stuff from the canon stuff since they integrated it so much. But I will talk from both points of view because I do think the Davy Back fight does deserve to be talked about seriously. But I will kind of like push the filler stuff aside. So with that, the Davy Back fight begins. And first off, I I love that this event has like so much backstory that we don't even really hear about to it you know it's got this sort of like festival atmosphere and the foxy pirates seem to like make a living off of this they have like vendors and souvenirs and just a whole thing about this thing it's honestly really creative Luffy ends up choosing the three coin game which means they will complete in three games the first of which being a barrel boat race called the donut race So like I mentioned in a different section, in the anime, everyone gets in on the action here. But in the manga, it's just kind of a one-on-one boat race with the straw hats being represented by Nami, Usopp, and Robin being the lone participants for this event versus Portia and her team in the cutie wagon with everyone else watching from the shore. Because of this, there was another element of strategy in the game for the manga that just isn't as present in the anime is that they had to decide who would participate in which event right from the get-go. Now, there is still an element of this because it does affect the Groki Ring game. But for the most part, this aspect is a little relegated because it doesn't really come up again. Now, the donut race itself is probably my least favorite of the events in the manga of the original three in the manga. But it still did have some really fun moments to highlight each character, which again, the spotlight gets taken away a bit from the trio And, you know, because in the the manga, and you still see this in the anime, but you get to see Nami's intelligence and her leadership and navigation skills. And then you get to showcase Usopp's ingenuity and his engineering skills as well. And then you have Robin with her power and her just sort of her poise and and just ability to stay calm in pressure. One thing I really don't like about how the anime handles this is there's this one moment that kind of manages to inadvertently ruin Usopp's character too. And so, again, I... I don't understand why the anime seems to have such a hard time making Usopp better. And I understand why people... Again, why they, there's so much Usopp hate even though he is an awesome character. At least to me. So in the anime, the decision to use the impact dial to propel them with the speed boost is shown to be Robin's idea. And Usopp is shown as not wanting to try it. But in the manga, Usopp is actually the one who has the idea. And he just kind of does it as an experiment. And the way it's depicted is awesome, as you don't know what he's going to do as he's leaning over the back of the boat. And all of a sudden, the boat just gets this massive burst of speed. And it's revealed that Usopp tried using the impact dial, which worked, but obviously recoiled to his arm and shoulder. (laughs) But seriously, like, why take this moment away from Usopp? It's like, not only does it showcase that he's smart and he's using his new tools that he got from Skypiea... And the fact that he's just kind of willing to try that and and yeah I just don't understand why they took this moment away from Usopp and gave it to Robin. The rest of the filler in this race we see is just the other members futzing around with their boats and, and along with other Foxy entrants with all of them ultimately being eliminated leaving the original two manga competitors remaining by the time the episode ends. Except I guess Luffy and Sanji are still technically alive here at the end of this episode. But they're about to reach some huge coral reefs with Foxy and Hamburg, suspiciously trying to get ahead of them to mess with them. But we'll see that in the next episode. Now, before we end this podcast, we actually get a new opening and an ending theme. So I wanted to talk about those. And so, yeah, to coincide with the new format change and the start of a new arcs and saga, we get a new opening theme and ending theme with episode 207. The new opening theme is called Kokoro no Chizu, performed by the girl pop band Boy Style. Now, Kokoro no Chizu translates to Map of the Heart or Soul. Now, if you've listened to my opening theme rankings, then you'll know that this is my favorite opening of the entire series. And some of these thoughts are just repeating myself from that podcast. But I freaking love this song. Like, in fact, it's probably my favorite song of all time, of of anything. Both English songs and and um Japanese songs like you have no idea I listen to this song all the time and it always has an amazing ability to put me in the best mood because this song and these episodes debuted just when I started college it like defined my time in college and is it's a very nostalgic thing for me and it serves as somewhat of a comfort for you know when I was transitioning into my freshman year of college. And having something familiar as One Piece sort of be really associated with that time period, it brings back a lot of good memories. The song itself is amazing. It's super fun, upbeat, and happy. But this also has that added typical One Piece hopeful tone as well. Like whenever I listen to this song, it always instills a sense of hope and motivation like I can do anything. And I love the combination of the rock guitar and the trumpets. As it creates this insanely energetic feel with like the beautiful vocals in addition to it. The animation in its own right is awesome too. As it's gorgeously animated in HD for the first time with the opening of each member showing off their personalities as they fall from Skype here. Which is a nice bit of continuity in the actual story that we never get to see since the G8 you know, Fort arc kind of interrupted that in a way. This is also the first time we see the use of in-story spoiler scenes, which will become a trend going forward with the opening themes, but I think this is still one of the best uses of them, as they merely tease moments but leave anime-only watchers speculating on what it all actually means. But for me, I was always blown away at seeing Luffy, you know, his punch get frozen by that guy, and as well as Usopp using the impact dial on Luffy. As those two moments specifically, I was particularly excited to see animated. Because I had already read these in the manga. And so when I saw these moments actually animated, I was like, oh my god. And I'm sure as an anime-only watcher, these moments must have been kind of mind-blowing. And not only that, but we get more faithful adaptations of the Usopp using the impact dial in the donuts race. We see Sanji using the Torajume Ash and the Bukatira shoot on Hamburg. And our first glimpse at Afro Luffy. And a whole host of teases for new characters and locales for the upcoming arc. I mean, this opening is incredible. I freaking love it. So in the same vein, we also get a new ending theme. However, due to some weird rights issues with uh, Funimation when they had uh, localizing these episodes, they didn't get the rights to this song, Mirai Kokai. And so if you're watching the localized version from Funimation or Crunchyroll, it skips over this ending theme and goes straight to Eternal Post, which is the next ending theme. However, I'm gonna talk about Mirai Kokai here, and I'll talk about Eternal Post when it's actually supposed to air during the NES lobby arc. Mirai Kokai, as translated as Future Voyage, the 14th ending performed by Teki and Tsubasa, who will go on to perform both an opening and an ending theme, are one of two artists to do so actually. They eventually go on to perform the opening Crazy Rainbow. This song is pretty good and I enjoy it for the most part. It has a very positive tone and relaxing sort of sound with good vocals. But I feel like this song is just really generic and almost feels like elevator music because of how plain it is. That's not to say I don't enjoy this song because far from that, I do enjoy this song quite a bit, but it just doesn't have that sort of special factor to put it over any of the other more memorable endings. However, the one thing this song has uh, is the outstanding animation that accompanies it, being the first ending theme to be introduced with the uh, HD transition. It's gorgeous with its use of like, each crew member in an interesting locale, making particularly good use of color. I particularly love the chopper in the grass scene, as well as Robin in front of the castle. And then this one's not necessarily visually stunning or anything, but Zoro and the Penguins is too funny. Like one of them crawling up his face and landing or sitting on top of his head is always really fun. But yeah, definitely, you know, go on YouTube and check this one out since you probably can't see it in many of the Western localized versions. So in closing, that's it. We're in a new era of One Piece with the world of HD. Definitely a lot of interesting things to come, but we'll have to slog through a decent amount of filler content. But luckily, the next couple episodes are really great, though, because they do focus on the canon material of the Davyback fight. However, once we get into the filler material in the latter half of Davyback fight, as well as a couple other filler arcs that are yet to come before we get into the main canon material towards the end of the Long Ring Long Land arc, as well as moving into Water 7, it's a little bit of a slog for sure. But anyways, we'll talk more about that later on. If you did enjoy this, send me a like or comment. And if you want to join me on this journey of rewatching One Piece, please consider subscribing. Check out my Instagram and Twitter account at SunnyGoPodcast for updates of new episodes and some random pictures of One Piece stuff. As always, I wanted to thank you for taking the time to listen to my podcast and I hope to see you on the next episode. I don't really have a spoiler section planned here But maybe I'll mention one little fact. So if you want to hang on for like a few more seconds, I'll just talk about one little thing. But anyways, bye. So really the only significant spoiler thing that I wanted to make mention of is the fact that the whole thing with Doflamingo and Bellamy. So we know eventually in dress rosa that bellamy is still alive and working for doflamingo as he somehow managed to get a second chance with him and then we get that whole story of him redeeming himself in dress rosa and so yeah it's that was quite unexpected to be honest like i knew at the time when i read it that since we didn't actually see bellamy get killed i didn't think he was dead but i also had no idea how he would be folded back into the story or whether something would happen with him or he would just forget about him but I you know personally I really liked what they did with Bellamy and how he was handled in Dress Rosa. but of course we'll get into that more when we get to Dress Rosa a long time from now but like I said that's really the only real filler or spoiler thing that I wanted to talk about but anyways thank you for listening and I will see you on the next episode bye